Welcome to Movie Maniacs. Mike Rags and Chuck Curry discussing the greatest movies of all time and all the new films in theaters and streaming that you need to know about. Like us, rate us, share us. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Rags and Chuck Curry. All right, we're back with another edition of Movie Maniacs, Mike Rags and Chuck Curry. Uh, if you're listening on podcast, make sure you rate and review us and, and you join us uh, for always. Make sure you sign up. And if you're listening on the radio, welcome aboard. Wobo 1190 and 107.5 FM for our listeners in Fort Wayne and beyond. Uh, it, this is the first time I think Chuck and I have ever recorded the show on Halloween. We are doing a Halloween edition of the episode, although we're not really discussing horror movies. That's been most of the month of um, uh, October. A couple new movie reviews I want to get to and some big movie news as well. Uh, but let's bring him in right now. The uh, the bold and the beautiful. It's uh, Chuck Curry. Chuck, how you been, my man? Happy Halloween, Mike. Happy Halloween. All right. First and foremost, we get out of the gate. I got, I got one question for you, though. Yeah, go ahead. Just a, if you had to watch... Do you have a do you have, do you have a movie that you normally would watch on Halloween that is sort of you go to? I, I do. You might find it a little surprising. No, it's it's not beyond the Poseidon Adventure. <laughs> Although it is horrific. It I is just very... wanted to I just wanted to throw that out real quick, get that out of the way. Um yeah. yeah, well, I just watched one of them, and we have actually an episode back in our, our archives uh, that our must listen to, ho- must watch Halloween movies. And we just watched The Great Pumpkin. I just watched with my daughter, and I think we might throw in uh, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein tonight, uh, Chuck. Just keep it really? light tonight. We got a lot of heavy topics in real life, so um, keep it light, and uh, maybe some Monster Squad too. But if I had to do a, a scary one. I would probably go to the old the reliable Halloween or Halloween two or three. One of the one of the, you know, good. old. Now, let me ask you a question. During this covert uh, pandemic here, did you go on AMC and watch a lot of these films? Halloween one, two, three, four, five, no. six, seven, eight, blah, blah, blah. I, I, no, I not don't as want... much for me. It doesn't feel the same. Well, we live in a different world, too, where you can get those movies anytime you want. So they yeah. actually go on an appointment, watch those things when AMC shows it. It's kind of silly. Uh, if I want to watch Halloween, I'll just go put it on right now. I don't I need say, uh, there's, there's one movie that I've watched on Halloween early, usually in the morning because I'm out in the afternoon that I just I don't know. I, I just have done it religiously is um, Tom Savini's remake of Night of Living Dead from 1990. It just has a it's not overly scary. It just has a nice feel to it. And uh it, it, it works for me on Halloween for some reason, that film. Yeah, uh, it's good. It's very good. Um, no doubt about it. it. It's it is a little bit off the wall. I don't think many people think of it. So that's glad. I'm glad you bring it out um, today on this Halloween. If somebody wanted to watch something, uh, I wanted to start the show. And ironically, Chuck and I dedicated a whole episode to Sir Sean Connery uh, a couple of weeks ago. Wasn't that long it ago was. because of his yep. birthday? I know um, we get the news this morning that one of the well, Hollywood royalty really has passed that's a away. Big, it's a big one, Mike. Yep, that's that's one of the big ones. Uh, Sean Connery dies at the age of 90. A great run. Obviously, just turned 90. That's why we did the show. His last um, film was? Uh, last film was, boy, was it The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? Was that it one? Was, it was. Wow. And, you know, the interesting part of Connery is you really have not seen him out. No. In public in a, at least a decade or more. A lot like Gene Hackman. He kind of just went off into the sunset and didn't yeah. work in again again. Um, and it's easy. You know, it's really easy to Sean Connery. You just say, hey, look, you watch James Bond. You watch the Untouchables. You watch The Rock and maybe even Indiana Jones. And you see all you need to see. But, you know, as you hear in our episode, there's a lot more to him and a lot of maybe smaller roles that you wouldn't think about. But if you just want to go to the essential stuff, that's the ones you want to do. It's great essential stuff, though. I mean, he had a, a screen presence in a. A con- we talked about this on when we did that show. The the, the confidence level of, of him on screen was just uh, it, it was just through the roof, and that's really what makes a movie star. It's not really necessarily great acting quality. Oh, he's a, a fine actor. It's just um, it's a class. star quality. It's class. Yeah. It's class. It's it's a, he had it all. Yeah, he did. And I, I I saw a funny story on Twitter. He once told some uh someone Michael Bay while he was shooting The Rock mm-hmm. came up to him and and wanted to give him some you know advice and 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 screen direction for for acting and connery's response uh and i can only wish i could hear it is uh he said to michael bay he goes why don't you go blow up a bridge and i mean that pretty uh, much sums up you know w- w- you know the, i wonder if he said that in a friendly way <laughs> probably there might have been an expletive or two in right. there but he was definitely 
one of the great ones of all time. So uh, Listen, hoping- in, Michael De- in Michael Bay's defense, The Rock turned out to be a great classic film and probably probably Michael Bay's best film really yes. um, of all time. And that, that, that's another one. Another good one to watch. It'd be nice if it, he's not in any horror movies. So I guess uh, Marnie's the closest thing he ever did to a horror. It wasn't a disaster movie. Uh, it was a meteor. meteor yeah. And yeah. despite the fact that him and Natalie Wood are fantastic, it's not really a good movie. No, and your buddy Carl Malden. Oh, boy. I mean, that and uh, Wilbur, really the pinnacle of Carl Malden's career. And what about Brian Keith? Is a Russian. <laughs> Great accent. No doubt about it. He went from playing in Hooper, <laughs> he went from playing in Hooper to Meteor with a Russian accent. I, hey, listen, what was the yeah. what was the TV show? He did the family. What was the family? Family show? affair. Family affair. Yeah. Yeah. Buffy and Jody. <laughs> oh, of course. All right. Well, we'll get to more TV stuff coming up right. in Fast Five. Let's discuss some of the um, movie news. And I found an interesting uh, list now that comes out every uh week now chuck is the digital entertainment group releases the top 20 streaming films okay, I, I didn't know about that okay of uh for the week of october 15th and uh-huh. um friday the 13th collection is number one and i think it's just because of the time we're in but it's interesting because a lot of the top streaming ones are from places you don't necessarily you know like paramount has a lot a lot of people watching yellowstone a lot of people watching the harry potter series as well um and wouldn't you know it, Disney's Hocus Pocus is in the top five. What about and, Walking Dead? Walking Dead is uh, not there anywhere. Uh, no, but uh, The Office is. Um, a lot of people. News. Fake news. Go ahead. Fake news. Sad. So um, and, you know, another interesting storyline and maybe the biggest one we haven't had time to talk about, Chuck, is the fate of the James Bond series and where it's probably heading and where we're probably going to see it. Um, well, here's the deal. Bloomberg broke a story last weekend talking about the fact that uh, MGM and Universal were s- shopping around, getting sort of what they call a feeler to see who would bid for the potential streaming rights to release No Time to Die, the last installment, uh, probably with uh, Daniel Craig, that was supposed to come out in April and got pushed back and pushed back. And now it's supposedly going to come out next summer or right before the summer. Uh, but the caveat to that story was that the movie is a $250 million production and that the feeler they got back from um, Apple TV was around maybe $400 million. And that was what they call a non-starter. They're not going to sell a $250 million bond film for $400 million. They already gone through another $50 million in marketing because the film was delayed and delayed. I can't see how they could sell our film for less than six or 700 million. And I don't think anybody's going to give them anywhere near that money to stream one movie, because from what I read from analysts who study that industry, it's a lot better suited financially from a business point of view to take 600 million and just seed it into original content, uh, Although it, it would make a splash, and I'm sure Apple TV would get a lot of subscribers. They certainly have the deep pockets. The Broccoli family did make a statement saying that they really they do want to re- release a bond should be released theatrically. I guess the question will be a waiting game. Uh, I don't think I, I still think it's a possibility a little bit down the road. The question will be, what does 20, 2021 really look like, Mike? Yeah. How long will they wait? I mean, I don't know. If this goes on and on, will they really want to wait to 2022 or just recoup money that they need? I mean, the reality is these studios, when they spend $250 million on a film, they need to get that back. Yeah. Um, they do. So, I mean, somebody also wrote in an article that, hey, I mean, calm down, folks. After Timothy Dalton, there was six-year wait between, between Bond movies and Pierce Bronson, right? So yes. they have waited... I mean, so why can't they just wait to a little be, longer? Even if they wait, to, even if they had to wait to 2022, it's a fresh product. People haven't seen it. I don't think it's going to hurt anything in terms of um, re-kicking the excitement for a new Bond movie. Um, the question is, does a movie turn stale on the shelf? That's the. I don't thing. think it does. Yeah, I, um, I'm going to. I I think in terms of Bond and Wonder Woman 1984, Quiet Place Two, I don't think anything stale about the anticipation. They'll get. An audience. Uh, the question will be, and it's a legitimate question, is 
when we say back to normal, I, I can speak because I, I run a, an independent theater, which we talk about all the time in East Strasburg, Pocono Cinema in Pennsylvania. Um, we're getting maybe 10 people a night at best for three movies combined. Yeah. Even on a Saturday. Yeah. So we're a long way. I mean, we're, talk, we're talking about we're getting 10% of our audience back. So when will this research, when will this come back? A vaccine, people feel uncomfortable. Will people ever sit elbow to elbow in a movie theater again? I don't know. I, I mean, I really don't know the answer to that question. You're going to get half full audiences. That's for sure. 100% occupancy. I don't know. Um, there's certainly going to be less movies made theatrically going forward for that reason alone, because they'll have to play the movies longer. I mean, that was a strategy when Warner Brothers took a shot and really took one for the team of the industry, as we stated with Tenant. They wanted to see if people, you know, would be spaced out over even up to a 20 week period, how much movie they were gross domestically. I think we're up to around 56 million now. Uh, clearly, they needed well over 100 million domestically. They've got about 370 worldwide. But they need um, they need five hundred million to break even. So there's no point. They don't want to. They don't want to release Bond to maybe break even or lose a hundred million. That's a billion dollar, you know, uh, worldwide grossing film if things are yeah. normal. So you know they're stuck. You know, just not looking at it from our point of view. And we want to see that film. We want to see it in the theater. But the reality is, uh, if you're the bean counter sitting in an office and it's your business and you're you know, your your job is on the line. you got to make profit. It's a very tough decision. It really is. Um, along those lines, they did announce Candyman's going to come out August of 2021. Legally Blonde 3 is waiting until 2022. So I guess at this point in time, why set any date whatsoever? Well, we know, we know anything 2022, I think, is safe. It's, that, that's, it's safe. 2021, it's still hairy. I never thought we'd we'd be talking like that. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Chuck, before we get to more movie news, I did get a chance to see a couple of movies streaming. One pretty big in the news. It's uh, streaming. What's that? That's uh, that's on your TV, Chuck, um, right. which a lot of people do know, even though you don't. A lot of people seem to do. I did, did watch or Borat's new sh movie. Oh, the, tell me, tell me. Um, it, you know, look, I laughed a lot, especially the first 45 minutes of what Borat was doing. It's pretty much more of the same, except he has a daughter in this film and their relationship is really. I hear she's thing. getting really good. Like almost Oscar she's really Oscar. good. She's really yeah. good. She's the only thing that keeps this movie rolling along really? because I have to be honest, as much as I laughed early in the film, Borat's act. Uh, what, gets, what's the running time? It's about an hour and a half, uh, mm -hmm. maybe a little longer. Borat's okay. act gets a little. Um, the treads start wearing at the end when he starts fooling the red state, so to speak, you almost feel, you know, like I think what it is is that we're so worn down by the state the world is in right now to laugh at something at the, like this right now. It's it's counterproductive. It's not. So by the time Rudy Giuliani pops up at the end with the big reveal and all that. So stuff, that's the end. They say that. To yeah, the end. they say that to the end. I think. Now tell me, tell me how uh, without giving too much away, but. Tell me how this plays out. How, how does this play out? It's embarrassing to say the least. Now, yeah. the part that that getting the most uh, legs here with his hands down his pants, you could see where his explanation is true. He was just taking a microphone out. It wasn't anything Fine. sexual, but Lying on his back. But okay. yes, but there there is not, not that I care, but I'm just no, curious. no. And there is some overtones, though, throughout the entire scene of this is uncomfortable. And this is unfortunate and how this guy got duped by himself in a hotel room and where Borat actually comes into the scene. So they use, they use hidden camera. No, he's actually doing an interview. So, so he knows he's being filmed. He knows he's being he filmed. knows he's being filmed. Yeah, it's interesting. it's interesting to say the least. But like I said, Chuck, I mean. I liked it. I liked the 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 first act more than the second act. And the fact that he has a daughter in it does help the film. But I will say I wasn't laughing as much towards the end because, you know, it just seems counterproductive at this point in time to call out the absurdities of of the far right. And that's all he does. And it's like, you know what? I don't quite think it's funny anymore at this point in our society to be laughing at it. So overall, he's very smart guy. He knows how to make a movie. He knows how to make a political statement. I give him a lot of credit, Sasha. Listen, Baron I, I think he's obviously he's a high, highly intelligent dude. Yeah. He's, and he's got he's got some serious spine on him to do what he does. It's, and in, uh, in, in a normal year, this gal, this young lady would actually probably get nominated for. Let me ask you a question off the rails here. Is there really going to be an Oscar? Oscar I don't ceremony. I can't. How I don't how see it. it. 
I don't see them even. I think they'll just skip the year, to be honest. First of all, there wasn't enough movies to be released. Well, you'd be surprised. There's more. There's there's some serious stuff in the can, as they say. I just I just can't see it, though. We'll see. I also also got to see a good turn by Bill Murray, too. I watched on the rock. I I saw it, too. At the theater, we booked it. Tell me what you think. I liked it. I thought it's it brisks. It moves along a good pace. He's definitely got a tremendous amount of uh, screen quality. Bill Murray is really good in this film. And she 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 holds her own. I like Rashida Jones a lot. The story's weak. It's not much of a story to it. Here's what it is. This is all it is. I found it very watchable. Yeah. I sat down. I was okay. Let me watch this. I sat by myself. Actually, one other person was in the front row. I was in the back row, so we were socially distancing. Nothing. So anyway, I'm watching this. It's what you call directed by Sofia Coppola. Mm-hmm. It's basically a slice of life film. Yeah. It's it's just okay. It's it's an hour and forty five minutes, hour and fifty minutes of these two characters, father daughter. It's a very simplistic plot. You either enjoy their company, you sort of don't, right? Right. And I, I sort of did. Yeah, I it, did. It's, it's not. It's not an Oscar movie. It's. It's sort of. It's a diversion, but. Um. I did I like him a lot in it, it, though. I saw. I, I, I did too. I, I, I liked it enough. I. I. You know, there's something. There's a quality he brings to that film. Then you're like, oh, well, you know what? Bill Murray is a movie star. You forget. Tell people, Bill, tell people the storyline. What? Well, what? she's. She is. Uh. Actually, just has two kids. She was a working mom. She's trying to write a book. Yeah. And and her husband, who's played by one of the Wayne's sons, I can't remember which one. Um. But he is. Uh. Actually, his new company's starting to take off. So he's working a lot. She starts suspecting he's cheating on her. He. Right. She confides in her dad, which is played by Bill Murray, who's a lethargio himself. So. She says, I think he's cheating on me. And they go kind of on a little caper to try to figure out if he is actually being promiscuous. And that's all the movie's about. That's all it is. And that's no, it. I, uh, that's it. And, and it's light. It's breezy. She's very and, and good. It, it doesn't have a power. There's no powerful resolution. Here. No, much like Lost in Translation. It's very yeah. similar to that film as well, except yeah. they're, in, they're in New York instead of Japan. Um, now, when it, you're watching the New York setting like I did, did you feel it felt weird? Absolutely. There's, there's, a, Anytime. Sadness, there's a sadness when they're driving around. Iconic down on, in a convertible. Yep. It is sort of a, like, is this real? Like you, you, it's, you can, and you're going to look at that for years now. Any New York City film It's sort of like, it's just hard to believe what's going on. Uh, I think we both say, you know, it's probably about a two and a half star movie on the rocks. And yeah, nothing I agree more, nothing less. And, I agree. Uh, but again, I watch the streaming. You watch it in the theater. It just goes to show you, you know, the, the way you can go to the movies now is you starkly different. All right. Well, let's go to some movie news for real now, Chuck, before we get too fast five. I did notice um, Creed three directed by Michael B. Jordan. And there are rumblings that Mr. T might actually come back. What's going really? on here? What is going on? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know how well it works with Al Sylvester Stallone as Rocky. I think Stallone stated that he's finished with the Creed franchise. He liked to do his own thing back in the Rocky, originally Rocky universe. He has mm-hmm. a story idea that's been bantied about for the last couple of years. Um, see, the thing of Michael B. Jordan, I like him. He's solid. He's good. But he plays that character so internalized. I don't know if it radiates without the Rocky character. I agree. I, and I, I don't know. I could be wrong. I, yep. could, I could be wrong. I think you'd have to really have uh, a dynamic uh, villain for him to uh, an adversary uh, that sort of lights the screen up. It might work well, but it's interesting. In terms of him directing, I mean, hopefully he does a great job. By the way, other other people in that movie, Demi Moore's in that movie. Bradley Whitford is in that movie. Wow, okay. uh, so it's uh, it's called Songbird. Um, what else we got here? What, what you got to have some movie news. It's been a while, Chuck. Listen, give me I don't something have good. a lot. Here's the thing. I don't have anything specific, but everything I read off the trades, every major talent in the industry, Mike, is doing deals with streaming services. Every yeah. one of them. And it makes you wonder. It just makes you wonder how watered down the theatrical experience will get in the next five years. I think it's going to be very. Um, I, 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 we talked about this a few weeks ago where Ben Affleck gave an interview, which I think he overshot, but basically said that he thinks 80% of all product will be streaming. Only 20% will play theatrically. It'll be massive tentpole popcorn movies that will play theatrically with big screen experience. I mean, talking IMAX type stuff. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that's accurate, but you see all these major talent, Nicole Kidman, Scarlett Johansson, uh, Ryan Reynolds consistently works with the streamers, Netflix. Um, well, when you look at the, the box office take of 
of DiCaprio's last- doing a, a streaming. Not he's not going to star in it, but he's going to have a he signed on to do a, a role in a streaming movie. Well, Chuck, last week, uh, Honest Thief was number one. Liam Neeson coming yeah. out in a movie um, made two million dollars. Um, the, it opened two. You're talking about movies on twenty something hundred screens. Yeah, I um, mean, it, it made, tells you very few people are really going. Tenant made fifty two million dollars overall. You know, um, here if you look at what's coming out in November, wide, I think there's only one movie all in November: the Kevin Costner Diane Lean film. That comes out next week, and this that's week, it. yeah. Right, this, that's it. Now you're you're a multiplex. How could you? I mean, forget about making money. How could you not bleed red all over the floor? How? I don't know. Um, yeah, you got a movie like Come Play came out this weekend and The Craft Legacy. I mean, Legacy. Freaky comes out the second week of November with Vince yeah. Vaughn, which looks kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. But they're not you're not talking about the next big release that's on the docket is Free Guy, December 11th with Ryan Reynolds. I don't even know if that's going to come out on. on I, I think anything, anything, anything worth this weight in um, a real production uh, cost is going to be sold to Netflix yep. or Apple. It's going to be. And then news, news of the world. Obviously, that trailer came out too with uh, uh, Tom Hanks. Uh, right, he keeps working. He's got he had a war movie and a and a and a western movie come out in the same year and a weird year for Tom Hanks. There's no doubt about it, Chuck. But he got and the he coronavirus had, as well. And he had, right, he had uh, Corona. Unbelievable. All right, Chuck. Um, let's let's move fo- forward then uh, to uh, fast. Five, where I give him five actors or actresses, and he tells me the uh, role, the movie role, or the role that reminds him the first thing that pops to his mind. Now, ready, the Mike. first one's easy. All right. By the way, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween to you, too. The first one's easy. Uh, the Fonz, Henry Winkler, 75 years old this weekend. And obviously, Arthur Fonzarelli is the easy one. If you go TV, Chuck. Here's um, the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, there's a lot of different characters that have stood the test in time in terms of pop culture. Rocky Balboa. You could go horror, Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. TV, gotta go off the Fonzarelli, right? I mean, iconic character. Happy Days, when I was a really little kid, one of my all-time favorite shows aired uh, Tuesday night at 8 o'clock ABC. That's before VHS, Mike. Yeah. Uh, it ran from 74 to 84. The, that, that friendship between... Arthur Ponzarelli and Richie, Richie Cunningham, played by Ron Howard. Iconic, no? Uh, one of the best uh, male bonding uh, depictions outside of that, Oscar that, and Felix. That, that, you know, when, when, I mean, it's a known fact. Listen, I, I love that show. But when, when Ron Howard left, it's not the same show, no. right? I mean, Ted McGinley's not Ron Howard, right? No, they basically could have called the show The Fonz after that. They could have. But, yeah. you know, without the banter, the bounce off between the two, it's not the same show. But when Richie comes back, I think he was in the, in the, in the military, right? He comes yep. back and he, when 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 Fonzie professes or when Richie professes his you know love of as a friend for Fonzie, that was powerful stuff. Power, powerful stuff. Remember that? that yeah, I do. Uh, he only came back a couple of times, including the finale. And when he did, it, it just takes takes it to another level. Is there I mean, Night Shift really is the only theatrical thing that comes to mind for. And he's, you know, he, he downplays so, Fonzie in that. Well, he's, here's the thing. And I said this yesterday on another radio spot that I do. He really is playing against type as Fonzie. He is. He is. Because he's sort of like a really nice, sort of a meek, low, not a low key, but sort of like um, uh, just a, a really nice regular guy personality. And in Fonzie's, you know, very masculine. Um very, yeah, very strong. It's just, it's, I know it's a little a little silly of a character when you look back at it to a point, but it's such a cool character. It just I, cool ironically, character. he might have introduced that character in the Lords of Flatbush. If you remember when he's really. Yeah, it's very true. You know, and pe- pe- people who may not realize who watch Happy Days first year, of Happy Days. He doesn't wear the leather jacket. He's sort of a background player. Yep. And then the, the, the fan base sort of liked him and they wrote him stronger in the script. And then he com- was completely embraced. Gets swooped into pop culture America. Fonzie's on lunchboxes, as Captain uh, Captain Marvel could attest, right? Yeah. And um, you well, know, really, the, he the, becomes a huge a huge character in, in the industry. The 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 show takes off coincidentally with 
go into a live audience. And when he moves uh, upstairs, yes, it's almost simultaneously that happens. And then the show just goes to a completely other level. Um, and, and then, you know, and then the introduction yeah. of Vernon Shirley, hey, your just, favorite happy days episode, your favorite happy days episode. I have one. I have, I one. have a couple, but one that stuff pops to mind is when, uh, <laughs> it's later on is when they fake his death with the two part or three part episode where the there and, and, uh, they actually have the funeral for Fonzie and you know, the, Okay, and uh, Laverne and Shirley come back. Everybody comes back to the funeral. I really like that one a lot. Um, but early on, I mean, the one when when they go into the dorm as dressed up as girls, that's a really funny episode. Um, how about how about when when Arnold's burns down? Uh, that's a great one. Don't Joni and Chachi I lo- I, get I, together. I, lo- I love that one when when uh, when Fonzie ram- rams the, uh, the, the, the 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 wall outside the window with a helmet yeah. and gets knocks himself out. Yeah, he saves and, and, and he's saved by Potsy. Or, or, or Ralph Mel. Ralph, uh, yeah, I, I love that one. I mean, we could we could do a whole episode of of, of great episodes. Uh, I love when he teaches Richie how to fight. And then at the very Excellent. end, that's a very good. And, and, and Fonzie always had one rule, which he told Richie for people to believe your toughness. You had to hit somebody one. You had to hit yeah. somebody one time. You've got no reputation to be tough. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, you could say it's a byproduct of its time and maybe it was, but it was a great product of its time. And, you know, go back. You watch episodes. Uh, Robin Williams, we see for the first time. Sure. Tom Tom Hanks does a great guest appearance on that show yep. as well. Um, is, there's a lot of great talent that went into it. And a lot of it goes to Gary Marshall. Um, but again, we could go on and on. Uh, let's let's go to another uh, character yeah. actor, Kevin Pollack. Uh, believe it or not, Chuck, I got a chance to introduce and interview our Kevin Pollack once a great comedian impersonator. Yeah. And uh, I actor mean, I guess too. there's a few good men. Yeah, a few good men. He's a, and, one of the and, usual and, suspects. And, and too. It was interesting. And, and this is it's really one of the most bizarre films made in an iconic uh, actor's career. But like End of Days, the Arnold movie mm-hmm. he's in. That really borders on, OK, Arnold's going into parody like it's just so over the top. But I still like that movie for some reason. Kevin Pollock's in it. He's uh, 63 years old. Doesn't he play Denzel Washington's p- uh, partner in uh, in the movie with John Lithgow too? Uh, the I think he does a cop movie. Okay. You, know, right. you know, you know, it's not popping in your mind, is it? No. Uh, I know I, of it though. I, why can't I think of it? It's going to come to me. Um, all right. Anyway, oh, Grumpy Your Old Men too. He's in those movies as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. How about this one, Chuck? I dug this one up. He's no longer with us, but he's a great character actor. Many people listening might not know who he is. Ed Lauder would have been 82 years old. Boy, that's an easy. I got two of them. I got one uh, that's easy. Obviously, uh, The Longest Yard. Yeah, yeah. But the other one would be, I really like his turn in Death Wish 3. I knew you When he basically gives, uh, when he gives up Paul Kersey, played by Charles Bronson, the right to uh, go full, full-blown vigilante to clean up her neighborhood. Yeah, uh, I love that film. Yeah, he's good in that, too. But yeah, The Longest Yard is the easy one. I also remember him at the uh, end of True Romance as one of the, the police lieutenant. He's very he funny had a that. really interesting screen presence. Great though. screen presence. Great screen presence. Uh, um, how about often confused with Dylan McDermott, Dermot Mulrooney, Chuck, uh, 70. I'm sorry, 70, 57 years old. I think his biggest claim to fame is my best friend's wedding. Yes. When he played opposite of uh, Julia Roberts. No doubt. Dermot Mulrooney, he's been in a lot. Very recognizable. He had a good run. He had a good run. And is there something that pops out, though, that you're like, give me a couple? Well, obviously, one I I brought up. um, Geez, I'm trying to trying to think of something. You got to go back to the early. He's in the family stone as well. I like the holiday movie. Um, Rachel McAdams, isn't yeah, he, boy, I, I remember he's one of the bad guys in Bad Girls. Or he like, had a good run, though. He had a really good run. He did. He's, he, uh, yeah. I guess nothing really stops, pops out with him. That's like that's his movie, no doubt about it. He's the guy. It's my uh, best friend's weddings. Is most profile, no doubt yeah, about it. Yeah, I would guess. I guess he's one of the young guns too. Um, I don't know. I didn't know that until I just looked at his IMDb page. Last but certainly not least, and I'm not sure if we ever did an episode on him. He died way too young. He would have been 70 this weekend on Halloween, actually. And that's the great John Candy. Chuck, believe it. He would have only been 70 this weekend. He died at the age of 43. He's almost been gone longer than he lived. Well, we talked about him a a couple months ago. Um, I I told you, when I walked into the theater, I didn't expect much of it. But that movie, Only the Lonely, I just got so much out of that film. I thought his acting was really good. It had heart. It was emotionally sweet. Uh, I really liked that film. 
to me, it's Dell Griffith in planes, trains, and automobiles. As, as much as I loved him in Vacation and even in Home Alone in his small scenes, to me, Dell Griffith seemed to be the most, and only the Lonely Two, right? The most John Candy you're going to get. I think we talked about Cool Runnings too. He's really good at yeah, that. Yeah, he's really good at um, that too. So uh, believe it, I can't believe he would have been 70, Chuck. It's, uh, it's a shame. We lost yeah. a lot of great movies because he, he passed away. All right, Chuck, we're going to go back to one of the iconic years in movie history. Uh, you got maybe three or four of the greatest movies ever made, including the one and only Jaws in 1975. Uh, let's do full disclosure here. I was five years old. There are some movies I saw theatrically here, Chuck. Uh, you, you want to reveal your age and, and how old were you in, uh, in 75? I, I, I don't actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, needless to say, I was a couple of years older than you. A lot of these movies, can you say at least that you, you caught on the second go round, not the original release? Correct. Date. Uh, well, that, that's a fact. 45 years ago, and I, some of these iconic movies that I, I'm not sure if I ever sat down and watched all, all the way through. In February, we had the release of both Shampoo and The Stepford Wives, um, which were huge movies at the time, especially for Warren Beatty. I got to tell you, I, 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 I've seen The Stepford Wives. I like that film. I'm ne I've never seen Shampoo in its entirety. Have you? No, I never did either. Directed by Hal Ashby and written by Robert Town. I know it's an iconic movie. I remember for its time, it was a little risque as well. Yes. Um, uh, and also in 1975, in the uh, spring, uh, the, just just the names, like Warren Beatty's a movie star. Uh, Barbara Streisand's a movie star. Funny Lady comes out in March of 1975, too. And one of my favorite actors at the time, and I actually saw this in the theaters because I had to see a Robert Redford movie. Do you remember the great Waldo Pepper? I do. Robert Redford. Um, George Roy Hill was the director of that film. Yes, he uh, was. It was it was uh, it was it was very watchable. I'll say that. I, I don't I don't think I don't think it's an iconic movie, but it, it was a watchable film. Nobody specialized in dark comedies better than Jack Lemon did at the time, especially New York City dark comedies. Uh, you go back to the apartment and things of that nature. The Prisoner of Second Avenue came out oh, in March. OK, let me tell you about this movie. Uh, I love this film. I love this film. Great I remember I, I remember actually I remember. I remember because uh, I, 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 my memory is really good. Even when I was little, like I can remember stuff at five or six years old, watching with my mother in a movie theater. I enjoyed the heck out of this film. I, I haven't seen it in decades and decades, but I really did like this movie. And I, did Stallone have a cameo as a mugger in this film? Yes, or something? he did. He yes, did, right? he did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, also in March. Who played, of, his who played his wife in that film? Oh, that was the great uh, Anne Bancroft. Yeah, she was awesome in that yeah, movie. Yeah, Mel Brooks's late wife. Um, also in March of that year, you know, I remember watching this on HBO a million times and it scared the crap out of me for some reason. But Tommy came out, the big rock opera with The Who. It wasn't yeah. a huge smashing success, but it did uh, have a great yeah, visuals. And, of, and the once the pinball wizard sequence, with, Elton John's iconic. Elton John, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Ken Russell directed. And yeah. remember back in the day, Disney could not release live action movies for the life of them, but they did have a couple of hits with the Witch Mountain series. And I remember being a kid and seeing Escape to Witch Mountain, which a lot of people will go back and look now, Chuck, and uh, this still plays. I think they did a remake of this movie, too, with The Rock. Yeah, and it's not that good a remake. Uh, yes, the original still had that that movie streamed a lot on the, you know, Disney. We saw on Disney Plus, I believe. Those movies still have wheels as to say, as to speak. I'm scared that one of the reasons it's got a lot of streams is because Kim Richards is in it. One of the crazy housewives who back yes. in the day had a nice little run as a young actress who was very very likable on screen. Let me ask you a question. Trivia. She did a TV show, a sitcom with McLean Stevenson. What was the name of it? Hello, Larry. Yes. Hello, he, Larry. He left MASH for that movie. I know. For that one show. One and it bombed. Movies. That was the first show. Shelly Long before Shelly Long. Wow. Uh, long Chuck, time ago, Mike. I, I never saw it, but, uh, you know, John Wayne made a lot of Westerns. He made some cop movies as well. Brannigan came out in the end of at the end of March. Did you ever see Brannigan? I, I did. London? It's been a long time. You know, he never. It's interesting because the cop movie became the new Western. And that had to be a really tough, tough transition. Yes, for him. For him yeah. It had to be. Um, I think he made a couple of those uh, cop movies. They never translated the way his Westerns did, though. No, no doubt about it. An interesting movie came out in April of of two of uh, of uh, 1975 and was a pretty big hit. Made eight million dollars for the day uh, was a lot. Uh, David Carradine above the title uh, apocalyptic thriller. Chuck, do you know what movie I'm going to? No. Death Race 2000. OK, 
that's one of those cult movies. No doubt about it. And I believe uh, Stallone's in that as well. He at is, some point, he is uh, in time. And that has a lot. I remember seeing. And then there were not young. Uh, then there were young. None. Easy for me to say when I was little. For some reason, my dad went to take took me to see that movie when I was just four years old. I remember seeing it in the theaters. Monty Python and the Holy Grail comes out okay. end of April. And that legacy's lived on forever and ever. Um, all right. I know you, you might have something to say about the May 7th release of uh, Day of the Locust. You ever see that one, Chuck, with uh, Donald Sutherland and Karen, Karen Black? No. I don't know. It's, I did not. I did not see that either. As I roll through here, uh, you had the happy hooker come out in early May of 1975. And by the way, if you're waiting for me to say airport 1975, Chuck, remind everybody when that came out. 74. <laughs> because that means how it makes how much sense? None. <laughs> um, End of the game with John Voight. Boy, where has he gone with uh, Jacqueline Bissett? I'm not even familiar with this movie with Me Robert either. Shaw is in it as well. Uh, looks like an espionage thriller. How about uh, let's go to Clint Eastwood. You can always count on Clint Eastwood for a movie in in uh, in the mid 70s. And I remember seeing this with George Kennedy, a mountain climbing movie, Chuck. And that's the Iger Sanction. Yeah. It's been so long since I've seen that film. Uh, it uh, ironically came out the same day as the French Connection Two, which was the uh, the the long-awaited, I guess, sequel. Okay, the, here's uh, the thing. Here's the thing about French, French Connection. Connection. Here's the thing about French Connection Two. It's a good movie. I didn't see it in the theater, but it is not a pleasant experience. It's rough to watch. It is, especially the torture scene that lasts oh, maybe absolutely. an hour. Yeah, it's insane. But I will point out that Memorial Day weekend, you had uh, movies with Gene Hackman's French Connection too. The Iger Sanction came out, so you had Clint Eastwood. Uh, you had uh, Burt Reynolds and WW and the Dixie Dance Kings come out. You had Return of the Pink Panther come out, another uh, Peter Sellers fu funny comedy, uh, one of the good ones. Um, in fact, I believe that's the sequel to Shot in the Dark. And The Other Side of the Mountain, which was a huge hit uh, as well, love story. So it was a pretty ambitious and... Uh, and, uh, and, I, and I just want to preface when we bring up this stuff and it brings back memories. In 1975, movie theaters were all uh, single screen theaters. There's, there's no multiplexes. Right. Everything's a 35 millimeter, 35 millimeter reel. And the way the industry works, certain theaters, when they got their movie, they got the 35 millimeter reel shipped. Uh, it, it was a complex process to put to, to, you know, to, to project that 35 millimeter reel took hours and hours of setup to do. Yeah. And uh, a, a completely different uh, world. And then, you know, when a, a movie, a big movie came out that had popularity, you know, some theaters had to wait months before they got it. So they and when one theater lost it, another theater, say, you know, 20 minutes away in that neighborhood, got that movie. And that's the, the, movie, the, and the movie would the movie would play in the same theater for that's a year. why they call That's why they called Airport 75. uh 75 when it came out in 74 because it probably played it played in 75 too yeah they, it, they well, well, it for, came out the end of 74 those, yeah it most those definitely films did. played for two years yeah it was played for two you know a couple years easily and then would get re-released a couple years down the road in theaters like because, that's the only way you're gonna get to see there's it. no there's no way to watch movies at home except you had uh abc sunday name movie yeah that was it mike yep uh, uh, also that weekend too, Charles Bronson thriller breakout came out, um, okay. uh, in that weekend as well. So you had Bronson, um, Reynolds and, and, uh, and Eastwood all in the same weekend. That's pretty ambitious to say the but least. I, but here's the thing. It's not like today where you could go, okay, let's watch three of those four movies in a binge at a multiple, but no. you had a, you know, you probably in, in some neighborhoods had no access to seeing these films. You had to wait. Well, Gene Hackman got a good run and, here. And then you got to hope that the 35 millimeter reel doesn't get lost in the mail or break. Right. Right. And and to make even uh, to put more star power on that same Memorial Day weekend, a movie called The Fortune came out with Warren Beatty and Jack Nicholson in it as well. So right. it had a lot of star power to go to the movies to go see something. Although really none of those movies stand out as classics. No, um, but let uh, me ask you a question. You know what a cinephile is? Cinephiles, yeah, someone that just uh, their main purpose in life is to watch movies and they know enough about movies. And well, no, it actually, what it means is uh, uh, they, they are they, they think 35 millimeter is the end all and there's right. nothing, nothing right. else, and that's the only way to watch movies, which to me is ridiculous because DCP high definition 
is equally as good. And 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 what are you losing? Nothing. Uh, they just they, I guess they like to hear the flap of the of the <laughs> of the reel in the in the back. You know, upstairs in the projector. I I don't get it. I just wanted to state that. Well, you know, it's I've interesting. Deba- I've debated this issue before. For 1975, it's almost like before Jaws and after Jaws. So before Jaws would hit in June, Nashville came out, the classic Robert Altman film. Um, And also Night Moves, another great Gene Hackman movie with Arthur Penn directing. You had Woody Allen's Love and Death as well. And then the the one that changed the movies as we know it, Jaws comes out June 20th, 1975. And Chuck, the summer movie would never be the same. No, because what happened when Jaws was released... Primarily, all the studios, when they when they felt they had this big, massive pen, uh, popcorn film that would make them a, a ton of coin, they always released it at Christmas time, like all the Bond films. And, you know, Joyce was based on a Peter Benchley novel. It was set during the summer on the beach. And they was like, yeah, you know, let's take a shot, roll the dice, release it in the summer, see what happens. And uh, what happened is it became a blockbuster. And it changed the course of the way movies are released. No doubt. Game changer. It is the greatest movie ever made. I mean, we we could go on and on about it, but that's what it was like 45 years ago. And, you know, Gene Hackman 1975 is not that much different than Gene Hackman 1985, Chuck, because he had Bite the Bullet come out. That's three Gene Hackman movies within five weeks of each other. That's pretty much Gene Hackman's M.O., right? Let's just keep working. It's interesting because, uh, you know, after, you know, he got all the acclaim for Popeye Doyle. He did the Poseidon Adventure in 72. He really his only starring action film is a Poseidon Adventure, by the way, as, uh, you know, Reverend Scott leading that disaster film, which I believe is the greatest film ever made, which, you know, I go on record. As, well, uh, any movie that spawned Beyond the Poseidon Adventure is going to be. But, but, but it, it, I'm glad you brought Beyond the Poseidon Adventure up the second time in the show. But anyway, the thing that's interesting about Hackman is he never talked about in interviews to Poseidon Adventure after the fact years later because evidently he was one to hold a little bit of a grudge and never forgave Erwin Allen and director Raul Neen for making him wear his hair in a comb over. So he's like, I did that movie for money and doesn't talk about it. But yet he turns out three of these films in 75, which makes no sense. That argument didn't hold much water. No, it didn't. And, nope. and he would continue to do that for most of his career, by yes, the way. Yes, absolutely. A classic comes out, and I mean an ultimate classic, June 25th, two th- uh, 1975, Rollerball with James Caan, Chuck. I love this film. Norman Jewison directed. It's a great sci-fi classic. And, um, and that remake was horrible. No, it was a bad remake, yes, but John... By a good uh, director. By a good director. It John was. Interior, yeah. Right? Yeah. Stunningly. Yeah. Stunningly. Yeah. I just remember John Beck was his co-star in this film, too, way back in the day. There's a big difference between James Caan and Chris Klein. I would say so, yes. Right? I would say so. But uh, And it, it one of those uh, rare movies, too, that used uh, John Hausman perfectly in this film yeah. as, a, as a kind of villain in that. Chuck, did you ever see the horror movie Race with the Devil? I know a lot of people love that movie with Peter Fonda. That came out with Warren Oates in it as well, uh, about a pair of uh, motorcycle drivers. And- Have I seen it? I love it, Mike. Really, I love that film. I never saw it. Tell me, tell me about. Oh it. boy, okay. It's um, it's about two men, good friends, and their wives who have an RV go drive cross country, and uh, by circumstance, camp in a, uh, a campground with devil worshippers, satanic worshippers, and it's basically a chase movie through much of its running time that has a very, and I mean very, Mike Twilight Zone ending which might not fly with today's audiences if it was set in a theater setting. But uh, Peter Fonda had a really coolness to him. They try to shoehorn him in, the son of, of, of uh, Henry Fonda. They try to shoehorn him in as like sort of, um, you know, uh, an action guy. And he, he didn't really look like the action guy. I mean, he did Future World also. Um, Warren Oates was really, I, oh, I, I just like, I like, listen, it's a B movie. But it's a really super cool B-movie. It's currently, I believe, on Blu-ray. I got to check it out. Watch Race with the Devil. It, the movie's good. I got to check it out. I'm a big fan of both those and, guys. And you'll be blown away by the end. You will be blown away by the end. I was I was too busy in July of 1975 seeing the Apple Dumpling Gang. The, you were. Okay. The Western with uh, Bill Bixby, I believe. And uh, we had Don Knotts and Tim Conway. Is that the first time they're together? Yeah, I love right. those films. Absolutely love those films. Chuck, also in July, 4th of July weekend, the sequel to Walking Tall came out. They couldn't get um, Joe Don Baker back, but Bo Sevenson came back. to. Yeah, play I remember that. He was decent part. in that role. 
He does. He does not not as well as Joe, Joe Don Baker, no, who, who really made it his signature role more than anything else. And uh, Paul Newman pops up in the Drowning Pool. Um, uh, detective Here's the thing film. about the Drowning Pool. I remember as a little kid, I went to see that movie, and when the pool fills up, I sort of got like, oh, because I love the disaster. I just loved. The Thought disaster. it was a disaster movie. Yeah, yeah I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's you know, it's a solid Paul Newman watch. How about? John, uh, John, J. Michael Vincent's White Line Fever comes out in the middle of July as well. Again, you, you, see, a, see, it. you see a lot of these B movies are getting theatrical releases. Nick Nolte and Don Johnson in The Return to Macon County. A mm-hmm. lot of these are, are on the road kind of chase films too, Chuck, that, that seem to be the way to go uh, at the time. If you uh, notice this one trend about what you're talking about prolifically, and that's these are all character driven movies for the most part yeah right? they're not really high concept they to a point some of them are but they're all they all fly by the actors involved yeah that that it, is it's, de- it's definitely acting over content over over concept stories right now, now it's complete concept over actors story and character farewell my lovely with robert mitchum playing philip marlowe comes out in august who you know it was good to see Rob- I, I remember that movie uh and a movie that I watched recently on uh, Netflix, The Land That Time Forgot, thanks to Mystery Science Theater 3000 came out, which starred the great Chuck, and I mean the great Doug McClure. He was always good for those B-bad movies, and a lot of people don't know this, but 1975 introduced us in August to the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Back in August of 1975, wouldn't do much, Chuck, but this movie would live in infamy. Let me ask you a question, because I've watched Rocky Horror Picture Show, you know, the full, full-blown experience. We've done it at the theater. A few years. I, I don't see how that movie works without the fanfare, without the midnight showings and the Halloween and all that stuff. You're right. It made it ended up making making like one hundred seventy million dollars throughout although, its 45 year I, run. I, I will say one thing. The time warp sequences is it, tremendous. It, it, uh, it, I mean, you could if you watch that on an endless loop, it's awesome. It's tremendous. Yes. You can watch only that part of the movie and, and, and it's worth the money. Yep. That part yep. is worth the money. Agreed. All right, Chuck. Let's go to uh, Joe Don Baker was too busy making movies like Framed and a movie called Mitchell uh, instead of Walking Tall Two. those movies come out. And you also now and and really let's move right to September 21st. One of the great New York movies of all time. And that's Attica Attica Dog Day Afternoon comes out September 20th, 1975. Uh, I did a revival of this a few years ago and I and it's it's just you you sit there in 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 wonder of how they remembered all that dialogue. I mean, that mo- this movie, this is a, a, a what they call a, a fascinating story, so well acted, so well directed. But Al Pacino, Charles Durning, going mano y mano, the dialogue sequences in this movie, um, they're just so compelling. But this, they, I, those actors had her memorize so much dialogue. I don't know. I, I like to know how many, sh- how many, how many shots. You know, when they said action, when did they cut? How long did they go on? That stuff's fascinating. Great stuff, and I love that movie. And, and the whole the whole twist with Chris Sarandon's just uh, like you think you go like because you don't expect it. Like you no. got Al Pacino, he's the Godfather, and it's like it's really cool. It is. It is. It's a great story. Speaking of cool movies, and this is one of the coolest movies Robert Redford ever did, and it came out the same weekend as Dog Day Afternoon. And that's Three Days of the Condor. He plays a CIA analyst that comes back from getting coffee for everybody and the whole office is wiped out chuck and he finds out that cliff robertson and max von sato are out there trying to kill him what a great movie uh directed by Sidney pollock who team up with robert redford a lot i just remember how menacing max von sato is as a hitman in this movie and how much screen presence robert redford and faye dunaway had it's a good uh, movie it's a great great movie and still plays to this day uh no doubt about it all right chuck we're getting into the 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 the, the big time movie releases because of uh, Oscar consideration. We're into October. You had the Charles uh, Bronson boxing movie. Hard times came out in October of 1975. Uh, also mahogany came out the star turn for Diana Ross. I always remember my mom was a big fan of because, you know, the, the, the MacArthur park, I believe is in that. Do you know where you're going? Her, she had a, a few songs in that uh, movie mahogany with Diana Ross right. came out and then um, let's do it again, Chuck, which would star Sidney Poitier and, Unfortunately, Bill Cosby at the time was the action comedy. It was a sequel, I believe, right? To the, the, yes. Let's do it again. Uh, mm-hmm. Uptown Saturday Night, right? Yep. Follow yep. up. Yep. Um, and then uh, Rooster Cogburn comes out 
John Wayne, one of his final um, movies, Chuck, uh, he comes back as Reuben Rooster Cogburn in this film opposite Catherine Hepburn. Um, you know, it's interesting. He does Brannigan at the beginning of the year and then Rooster Cogburn at the end of the year. The guy never really strayed much from his meat, from his bre- uh, bread and butter. No, I mean, listen, he, he, Wayne, for the most part, was a one-trick pony, but it was a really good trick. And and you know how much I love the shooter. So I, I just I can't say enough about that film. Uh, I just I just I adore that movie. All right, Chuck. And then Diamonds would come out uh, with uh, Barbara Hershey and Richard Roundtree. A movie called Hester Street. Let's see. It's funny. These movies are getting released on days, weekends. They and that was the only movie being released too, Chuck. And nobody's you know these movies do not span the test of time no not at all let me ask you a question just to so we could jog the memory of of people here how did people know about what was coming out back in this time period of 75 you know the answer Uh, the mostly newspapers and uh radio and tv i mean that was it it. yeah it was a lot of radio advertising a lot of radio advertising it's funny if you go on youtube and like you give, give, give me an example, like the Beside Adventure, the radio ads for the Beside Adventure, you could listen to them and they're really good. They're really good. I mean, they knew their niche, how to get people motivated, you know, getting in the car, turning on the radio. That was one way. And, and the news, the newspaper advertising was awesome back in the day, you know, full page ads. Full page ads. Uh, yeah. it, was so, it was so, I mean, I remember sometimes I couldn't wait to get the newspaper and open that movie section up. It's just fascinating. It's so well done. And and that was your motivation. Radio, yeah. mostly, mostly it was radio and newspaper. I want to dig up a movie called Crazy Mama comes out in November only because it's the debuts of Bill Paxson and Dennis Quaid in movies. Wow. Jonathan Demme's first directorial debut. And of course, stars Cloris Leachman, uh, wow. crazy, crazy Mama. Back in the day, she was uh, definitely a screen presence, to say the least, Chuck. Uh, then you had... Um, Really, one of the best movies of the year come out in November, and and uh, Walter Matthau, George Burns, Sunshine Boys. Yeah, uh, good movie. Great movie. These guys going through their careers together. You know, remember uh, who played the son? Sunshine Boys. Uh, Richard Benjamin. Richard Benjamin. Oh, that's right. right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> good film. How about the apocalyptic movie a, po- a Boy and His Dog? That comes out in 1975 as well. I know there's a lot of people that Don love that Johnson, movie. Right? Don Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the movie that would win the Academy Award for Best Picture, and you could argue which one's better, Jaws or One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which is currently on Netflix, as a matter of fact. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Chuck, November 19th, 1975, and it would sweep the Oscars. Make a big name out of Michael Douglas, who was a producer, iconic role, one of the very one of the top three in the career of Jack Nicholson, I would say. Um, Nurse Ratchet, an iconic villain. Have you tried the new uh, Netflix series yet? I have not, but from what I read, um, they said like 43 million people have watched it. You believe these stats? I, I don't know. I mean, uh, why, would they they, why would they lie to us? Is that fake news, Chuck? Uh, could be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, ask, one, me, ask me again. Is that fake news, Chuck? Probably, Mike. All right. Um, but what can you say about one of the greatest movies of all time that we really haven't talked? I mean, we talk about all the time. What, Chuck, about, us- what about Chief Juicy Fruit scene? How good oh is that God. scene? I love when uh, I love when he's playing blackjack with Danny DeVito and the guy keeps saying, hit me. He's got, he's got 26 showing. That <laughs> ending's hard to watch, though. It is a tough ending to watch. Uh, how many studio films will pull off that ending right now? Zero. No. Zero. I agree. Um, you ever see a movie called The Human Factor with George Kennedy, never heard no. of it. S- no. Suspense thriller. Well, that's your November. Also, a movie called Inside Out with Telly Savalas and Robert Culp, a British action movie. Again, okay. uh, t- the, the names, Chuck, just go with the Telly Savalas, uh, Robert Culp. These were movie stars back in the day, Chuck, and th- that could get movies released. With and I, guys. I, I think if I recall, Telly Savalas played Dr. Ste- Stefan Suevo in, in that Beyond the Poseidon movie, uh, adventure movie in 79, right? Not familiar. Tell me about that movie. Uh, well, um, ne- next week, we'll expand. <laughs> Chuck, uh, Peeper with Michael Caine comes out in December of uh, the, how about the adventures of Sherlock Holmes's smarter brother, Gene Wilder and Marty Feldman together yeah. again. What's the big blockbuster of December that year? December of that year, uh, da, 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 the Killer Elite comes out. Uh, well, the Adventures of the Wilderness Family. I know a lot of people 
uh, when I was growing up, that was a big one. I'm trying. There's nothing that's like Barry Lyndon came out as well uh, in, with uh, Stanley Kubrick movie. But I'm sure must, Jaws. I'm sure Jaws is still playing pretty well. Jaws must have been the one that is just. Uh, yeah, it was probably number one most of uh, most of this time. Yeah, uh, I think Adventures of Wilderness Family did well. I remember The Killer Elite was a great movie with Robert Duvall and James Caan. A good R-rated uh, action movie with Sam Peckinpah, Chuck. Then outside of that, I mean, that's pretty much it. You had Lucky Lady with uh, Gene Hackman and and uh, Liza Minnelli. Yeah. Hustle with uh, Burt Reynolds. Well, here's one for you. Finally, you know, it's funny is we think it's the heyday of the disaster movie. I haven't named one yet. There was one disaster movie in 1975. It came out Christmas Day. You think you want to take a guess at what it is? Based on a real life event. I don't know. The Hindenburg. George C. Oh, Scott. Let me Let's tell you talk about, about this me, movie. For I, a second. I will. I will. Um, I really dug the last 10 minutes. But it's a chore getting to that point. Well, with a running time of two hours and five minutes. Well, it's just, it, listen, it's uh, almost two hours of complete talk to get to the disaster, which uh, is very quick. But when George C. Scott goes up and up into and, uh, yeah, yeah. Up into the rafters, that's a damn good sequence. It that's is. That's a really, because, you know, it's what they call um, the potential, you know, re- revisionist history. Nobody really knows how it, what happened. They, they, they did a... Uh, they threw in a conspiracy theory. Yeah, it was a, sabotage. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we nobody knows what happened. and um, But that scene was really cool. But it's a very talky movie, and I like George Scott a lot. And remember, but, um, it was d- directed by Robert Wise, of course. But it, 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 wasn't, it, it wasn't as exactly enthralling as, uh, say, The Towering Inferno was. No, it did make $27 million at the box right. office, though. And, it, and do you remember who the bad guy was in it? No. William Atherton. Wow, okay. Um. Bronson would come out with another movie at the end of uh, Christmas as well. Breakheart Pass. So Bronson had a lot of movies. Je- Gene Hackman. Gene another Hackman one? had four movies in 1975, Chuck. Four movies. What was the last one? With well, a uh, Lucky Lady with Liza oh, Minnelli yeah. wow. and Burt Reynolds. Yeah. And Burt Reynolds had three movies as well. These guys uh, really knew how to churn them out, to say the least. And George Siegel was in The Blackbird. So there you have it, Chuck. You know, 1975, forever really known as the year of Jaws. And then, of hey. course, one of the greatest movies of all time with one flew over the cuckoo's yeah nest. i agree good assessment mike and then you had uh sunshine boys you know that walter matthau he wins Which was a, a major player at the oscars yep but if funny is uh you know you think you had to pick if you had a vote in your hand jack nicholson against al pacino for best actor that's a tough pick man that is tough pick i think you would have went with nicholson simply because it's it, it kind of was the, had, more, it had more mainstream accessibility, right? And the momentum of the entire year of uh, of that movie really yeah. sweeping everything. Um, and remember, Lee Grant uh, won her only Oscar there too. I believe maybe one of two. She was she won for for Shampoo. Um, yeah, she was really good. She didn't win one for uh, Airport Seventy Seven. No, she didn't win one for Teachers either, which is really surprising. Two unbelievable star turns by. She's in a swarm too, by the way. She is in the swarm. One of about fifty-seven sta- uh, actors uh, paid scale for that movie. I think Chuck for the. Swarm. You know, let me ask you a question. You didn't did not or do not believe in the African killer bee. <laughs> I just remember there was must have been about five movies about bees that came out right at that time. Some of them TV movies. I remember Savage Bees. All I, I remember about the swarm is Richard Widmark calling Michael Caine Crane like a thousand times in it. Crane, what are you doing, Crane? What are you talking all, about, Crane? All I remember <laughs> about <laughs> were a few things about that movie, but almost yeah. every death scene by B is in yeah. slow motion, which yeah. really, <laughs> what are we doing here? You can't kill by, but I have to see it in slow motion. And what is Henry Fonda doing in a wheelchair, Chuck? Oh, I, I, boy. Uh, listen, when he takes that serum and his, and his, uh, and his what what it was his blood pressure goes up and up and up and up. Yeah, but but what a martyr he became. Without uh, without him, we wouldn't have been able to. In its defense, it does has a couple. It does have a couple good scenes. A garbage pail scene with the boy uh, as a cool scene. Is and that he, is that it, the movie where um, Irwin Allen takes credit for action scenes directed? Is that one or is it? Oh, he directed that. He direct. What movie is it like? Just Inferno. No, there's a movie on screen credit where it says action scenes directed by. Irwin Allen. It's not yeah, Towering Inferno. No, well, John Gillerman directed the Towering Inferno. Yeah. Side, Ronald Neem directed the Poseidon Adventure. Well, I think he did this, the Swarm, 
Beyond and when Time Ran Out, he directed all those films and, and they all have the same result. Man, Not good. If it's any doubt of what it all comes down to for Chuck and I, it's the disaster movie because somehow, someway we pigeonhole every episode we're talking about some disaster movie nobody wants us to talk about. And that's this episode is The Swarm. Who knows what next week will be? Could be Airport 79 for all we know, Chuck. Um, all right. For the, re- for the record, I really do like Airport 77, though, Jack Lemon. I do. And I like 75. Yeah. Um, well, ironically, we didn't get a chance to talk about it in the year 1975. All right. We got to go. Chuck, always a pleasure. We'll do this again next week. It was fun, Mike. Uh, and to the audience, happy Halloween. Thanks for listening to Movie Maniacs. Download one of our archived episodes. Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.